Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national women's current affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. That's not about the politics, that's just about the facts of, look, you know, if, if you can't tell my story, then, then who can? Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past, present and becoming, as well as the traditional owners on the land on which you're hearing us from. This week on the program, we look at Re-Register, Australian Women Sculptors from the Women's Art Register, which is the inaugural Women's Art Register Artist-in-Residence program. The Register, which is based in Richmond, was established in 1975 and is a living archive of women and gender non-conforming people's art practice and an artist-run and not-for-profit community and resource. Joining us in the studio, we have Caroline Phillips of the Women's Art Register and on the phone from South Australia, Julia Boris, um, who is, among other things, the inaugural Women's Art Register Artist-in-Residence. So thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Caroline, I wondered if you could tell us about the Women's Art Register to get started. So um, what is it? Uh, when, when did it begin? And what kind of things does the Register do in the collection house? The Women's Art Register is an archive of the documentation of Australian women's artists' work. So it includes things like um, artist files and slides and digital images with some photographs and some ephemera like catalogues and reviews and correspondence, all kinds of material really. So we don't collect artworks, we we just collect the information um, that documents the careers of, of women artists and it's largely Australian artists as I mentioned. So it's been going since 1975 um, continuously all that time which is really amazing so we're coming up to um, 45 years next year and um, so it started up back in the the 70s when there were a lot of women's collectives and groups forming in Australia and internationally and um, it just started up um, through the the work of basically four women who were getting together at George Payton Gallery, which is at um, University of of Melbourne in the Student Union. And um, within a really short space of time, they had hundreds of women that were really interested in in, um, submitting their work. And so it's basically to to, um, document the the work that's otherwise often left out of out of history really left out of the the canon and but also as well as being a physical archive um, it's also a, a living community so it's a membership based group and we have uh, events we put on exhibitions we put on talks and we we advocate for women artists and so we do all kinds of um, you know live activities as well that that supports our our community and, and advocates for for women artists and one of those live activities, I suppose, is the um, inaugural Artists mm. in Residence program. Um, Julia, as I mentioned, is the first Women's Art Register Artists in Residence. Julia, uh, your your exhibition, Re-Register Australian Women Sculptors from the Women's Art Register, um, which is now uh, open at Richmond Town Hall in Melbourne. Can you tell us a bit about uh, your exhibition and the projects it has stemmed from? I believe it's the, the 1978 Women's Art Register Research Project uh, Profile of Australian Women Sculptors from 1860 to 1960 that you have responded to in your work. 
Yes, that is correct. I was responding to the ephemera in the archives in the office of the Women's Art Register. And I was uh, very lucky to have the opportunity to delve into that archive with Caroline. And I was struck instantly by this particular uh, project and the images that I found um, in some of the archive boxes, um, specifically the women sculptors' portraits and their faces and the way that they had been printed. And as a screen printer, I responded to that in a way that I thought I could use those ideas and communicate um, through textile and paper. So yes, the majority of the work is screen printed onto fabric and I have also done some work on paper. I noticed that through the project you've engaged with, is it 23 artists who have been somewhat forgotten or obscured? What were the engagements that you had like? Did you did you find out about the artists' stories or about their lives or... Uh, was it more about the the, uh, the connection with their work and the register? Or? Well, yes. Initially, I was uh, struck by the substantial number of women artists' names that the project had tried to get information on. And then as the project progressed, it ended up sort of turning into more of the people in the background, um, such as the people in the office, like Caroline, um, who were the unknown hands that I wanted to pay tribute to. So it began, I guess, as something a little bit different as processes like this do and became more about the people who are advocating now as well as back then. Um, and the processes I also used in the project, the Devore process, which I used on the fabric, is a, a fibre removal process and I wanted to kind of have the relevance with the process and also what's been happening historically about unnaming of women and removal or lack of acknowledgement. And I felt that those processes were, were relevant in the context of the exhibition. So the artistic process has really reflected the subject matter here. And as well as engaging with the artists and their work themselves, also the people who organise and archive and advocate for that who are sometimes less acknowledged, um, even less acknowledged. Yes, there's tireless women in the, uh, in the office and uh, they need to be acknowledged as well because it's about the resilience and persistence of the women who came before us but also into the future. And so that's, that's what this project ended up becoming rather than, I guess, the individual artists. But initially, I was wanting to do more research into the individual women, but there are 41 that were selected initially, and then it was reduced down to 24 names approximately um, for the actual um, project in 1978. Maybe I could talk a bit more about that, that project. Um, yes. Because at, at that time, so we're talking about 1978, the, um, the register had been going for a couple of years and initially was collecting the work of contemporary artists at that time. But then they quickly realised that they needed to go back in history and, and collect the work of um, the, you know, scores and scores and decades of, of women's art practice that was not known. And um, even to select... Uh, the work of, of sculpture at that time was quite a radical thing to do um, because there were there was virtually nothing really known. There was a couple of women like maybe Inga King and people like that, uh, Norman Redpath, who were 
somewhat known at the time. Um, so there were two people, um, Anna Sand and Benita Ely, who uh, approached the, the Schools Commission. So that was uh, part of the Victorian Government funding through the Education Department. And again, it's, it's you know, this educational f- focus that they're wanting to, um, you know, uncover this knowledge and to pass this knowledge on to future generations and on to schools. And so what they wanted to do was... Um, do the research, get get profiles together about these women and publish a book, which they did. And coincidentally at that time, the Mildura Sculpture Triennial was, was on and um, there was a, a, you know, a, a, a poor representation of women artists often at the Sculpture Triennial. So they took that opportunity to launch this publication there as well. And they actually, we found um, in the archives that they wrote to all the school teachers in the area and, and school groups came and looked at the show and then they exhibited it at the, the Richmond Library, which is also where the, the Women's Art Register is based. And, um, yeah, so it's really... Uh, the, the fact that Julia was interested in this project kind of had such a double, a powerful meaning for us as well because it was such a significant project for the Women's Art Register and one of the very early projects. And, you know, so over 40 years ago now that that was done. So it was a really great kind of continuation, if you like, for, for Julia to pick up that project and for us both to talk about the women who did that project but also the women that were uncovered you know, going back to, to 1860, which is phenomenal. So there's, you know, black and white photos of, of women in Victorian gear, you know, climbing up ladders, chiselling massive sculptures and things. And so we found some amazing um, material in there, but also looking at, you know, the contemporary work that Julia's made now and, and thinking about um, ensuring the longevity of, of the archive into the future. And uh, the 1978 project, the way you describe it, it, it sounds um, sounds like a real, uh, maybe in the spirit of um, the, the beginning of the um, Women's Art Register as well, like very much a process of organising and community engagement. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, and we're still involved with the, the, the community of that time. In fact, the two women that I mentioned came to the opening of Julia's show. But um, in particular, Anna came to the register and, and she said to us, you know, it, it's not about me. It wasn't about me. It was about um, getting this information um, in a format that could be, you know, distributed and shared and got directly into schools so that students would be learning it and be taking that forward into their lives. And also the fact that, um, you know, she was the one, Anna San was the one who approached the Richmond Library in the first place because she recognised that, that community presence. So... Uh, it was so important in terms of um, accessibility for the archive and, um, you know, we were very fortunate that the um, the council and the library assisted us for many years too with um, helping to, like, lend out the, the slide kits. So that's another thing they did actually was to put together a slide kit and it, it showed images of the work of all the women sculptors in the project and then this could be borrowed from the library and was, was lent out to, to people and it was also posted out around the country to schools, you know, in Queensland and Darwin and stuff. And so it was really um, getting directly into classrooms and directly to, to artisan students. 
That sounds amazing. Mm. It's very different now in the sort of internet yes. era when I think in a lot of ways we can take for granted how easy it is to access information. Mm. But also I think what information makes it into digital um, zones is also very uh, politicised and mm. um, complex. Women on the Line. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're bringing you a conversation with Caroline Phillips from the Women's Art Register and the Register's inaugural artist-in-residence, Julia Boris. Julia, I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned before uh, the phrase unknown hands, which is repeated through some of the work I noticed in your exhibition, and there are also images of hands uh, as well, and um, the paperwork you mentioned has an almost sort of deconstructed, obscured nature to some of that work too. I know it is maybe painful to talk about a visual medium (laughs) on radio, but would you like to describe that and what you hope for the impact of that to be? Yeah, I'll try. The um, yes, as you mentioned, the idea of the unknown hands is is repeated throughout in different forms, uh, not only within the actual screen printed hands that are, you know, holding cups of tea or chiselling. Um, so they're hands that are working um, and they're doing things or writing. Um, and the the phrase unknown hands um, is also tying in with that repetition of of the title which is re-registered and the idea of um, taking another look at something but also the idea of the communication um, and correspondence that was required by those hands, so many handwritten and hand-typed communication, you know, between the schools and um, the Women's Art Register and also for the grants and their meetings. And, you know, it, as he was mentioning, it's so different from how we communicate now with the internet and email. And it just struck me how miraculous it was that they achieved so much in such a small amount of time, handwriting and hand typing. Um, you know, I just thought, well, this is incredible. <laughs> so I wanted to communicate that through some of the work sites. Um, with the unnamed piece, which is on paper. Um, I've used some of the names of the individual artists and erased that slightly and used a light-sensitive emulsion over the top to sort of expose what's not there, in a sense, because it's actually what's been removed. Um, Yeah, and I guess picking up on a point that you were discussing before with Caroline, it's really the thing that's really the most important part of all of this, in a sense, is the, the unique location of the Women's Art Register underneath a library and being able to have such a consistent um, location to consolidate the archive. Um, and um, I think that was something that um, Caroline and I discussed with Anna in the office, in a sense that there was this opportunity um, that they see uh, very cleverly to, um, you know, fortify their mission. And, um, you know, it's it's fantastic that they've, you know, persisted. Those unknown hands have continued to persist. <laughs> Speaking of persistence, uh, one of the things I thought was interesting about this project was that... Uh, Feminist thought has never been homogenous and has changed a lot since 1978. So I'm interested in a question for both of you. How, how did you engage with those uh, changing ideas and different eras of f- feminist thought through both your practices? Well, I think from, as Julia said, it's, it's 
the, the main focus was actually about the 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 history of the register itself and and the the value and the ephemeral nature of it like even though we are there physically in the library if if people don't turn up like I, I meant to say at the beginning actually that Julia you know we met Julia because she came as a volunteer which was really incredible and there's there's a lot of women that come and and a couple of men have been as well um and if it wasn't for that, I mean, I'm a volunteer as well. We're all volunteers in our committee as well. Um, so even though we have this, um, you know, kind of embeddedness and this embodiment in that space, it's actually very fragile as well. And just to, to answer your question, I think that the work, it's about the work of feminism as well. Like it's only nothing... It will only happen when there are people there to, to do the work and you have the, the belief in what they're doing. And, you know, it's been contested over the decades. There's been some fights and there's been, you know, disputes with various, um, you know, arguments about feminism. But uh, on top of overarching all of that is is kind of the overall cause itself, which is what unites us all there and um, also is a... Is a you know, uniting force across a lot of different types of feminism, that um, it's really, and even the the statement that Anna said that it's that it's not about me, it, it's about the cause. You know, it's about passing on the information as well and empowering future generations to take up their own causes and to be to be able to come to the table and to be be present and um, to have to have power and um, independence and and all of those things. And uh, Julia? Well, just reiterating that um, in terms of answering the question in regards to feminism and what that means now and then, I guess the thing is that the, the Women's Art Register is able to um, transform and change because it is a living archive. It's not a, you know, um, a sedentary being. You know, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's able to contribute um, within the community, and it is, you know, accessible as a resource. Um, and so, I guess for me, in the way of answering that question, it's able to look forward and backwards um, at the same time as does the project. So, I think that's what's really important to acknowledge what's come before. Um, and yes, we everything does change over time, and people's. Uh, views on what that might mean to them in the world. But I think that's what the Women's Art Register manages to do, is that it actually, um, you know, can provide that that change in platform. Yeah, and, and I think one of the ways that happens is that we don't have any gatekeepers, like we're independent, we're artist-run, we're not-for-profit organisation, and so it's an open and inclusive um policy of what is collected um, anybody that self-identifies as a woman artist can um, deposit their material into the archive so you know we have over 3,000 individual artist files and there's another thousand files with groups and projects and then there's you know 12,000 odd slides and who knows how many digital images we haven't counted them but um, across all of the, the, that material, there's all different kinds of feminism represented in there and different kinds of feminist art. And, and we don't judge that. If someone says, this is my work and I identify as a woman artist, then they're welcome. And that's really a key factor, is that our 
job is to collect the work and to to care for it and you know to, to to share it but we don't judge what is important or not important or or what someone's brand of feminism might be so you can open any one of the the drawers and find something different and um any of the major kind of conversations about feminism over the years are, are all represented there. So um, in that sense, um, I think it does actually speak to to everyone. I read as well, I mean, I think you mentioned before the earliest parts of the collection uh, in the register date from the 1840s. So there's a lot of history there in that sense too. The history of Australia has been quite complex. Um, I mean, do you find that the register engages with things around the impact of colonisation or um, Indigenous peoples in Australia or what kind of stories do you find in there from around that time Yeah, and, it, and the present? Well, I, I think it's the, the key issues over various decades, decades of change that we've been talking about. So, um, you know, there are, there are collections about um, immigration and migrant women and community groups. Like in earlier decades, the idea of community arts was a really strong focus. There's work about... Um, all sorts of political um, work, but work from the trade union movement and the poster movement that was really big. Um, there's a lot of you know French theoretical feminisms there and, and theory, and then there's um, indigenous projects in there as well, and then there's um, you know some queer art and um, work about sexuality and discussions about gender, and um, so it, it is very diverse and and the fact that it's not directed by anybody it it can be a bit random and so it just depends on what um what our membership is at any one time but also what are the current interests in the sort of art discourse if you like so at the moment the last you know five to seven years is there's definitely a resurgence of of feminism and interest in feminist art and a lot more exhibitions about feminist art itself and so at the moment there's a lot of interesting material coming in about about all of those debates that you mentioned. Um, then there's other times where it's been um, very specifically women who, who have worked for decades and decades and it's they just want to document their whole entire work. So they'll come in with almost a suitcase full of things and, and they'll just want to make sure that their work is safe and, and protected and will be, you know, seen in the context of um, you know all the other women artists around them so for example we had an artist Marion East who came in a couple of weeks ago and she lives in the country she lives around Ballarat and she's worried about bushfires and it's like you know my work this is my life and you know she's like handing over her life to us and it's like such a an, an honor and a privilege really for us to be able to protect a copy of all that material for her because as she says if her house burns down then that's it no one else is going to be doing that job you know so it's really amazing. I mean it almost seems like an access issue both in terms of the way the register is is structured but also um, in terms of people being able to know about women and non-binary people's art Mm. from the past Um, and I think that's a really important and vibrant part of our contemporary and future culture. Speaking of seeing art, uh, Julia, would you like to tell us a bit more about if listeners are interested in seeing the exhibition or um, even perhaps if they live further away from Melbourne, if there's any way they can find out more about it? So if people do want to find out more about the exhibition, I have some um, images of the work on my website. 
which is just juliaboros.com. Um, and yes, there's also a publication which I've produced, Unknown Hands, which um, is a tribute to the many unknown hands of all women artists. And it focuses on the work that's actually on in the Richmond Library in the foyer area. And um, that piece of work um, is uh, very vibrantly pink and black. <laughs> so you can't miss it in the library. And uh, some friends went to visit it today, which was very sweet, and took a photo and sent it to me. And also the Richmond Town Hall is um, all Monday to Friday, business hours. Um, and it's upstairs in the corridor and the meeting rooms. And how long will it be there? Is it until the end of January? Yes, it is. Yep. Um, 31st of January. And so plenty of time to go and see it. <laughs> and um, just one more question before we, we wrap up today. Caroline, I wanted to ask you, Julia is the inaugural artist in residence um, at the Women's Art Register. What do you hope for with the program in future? Yeah, well, we were really um, fortunate to receive a grant from City of Yarra for this project because it's something that's been on the agenda for a long time and we haven't had the resources to do it. Um, so we've already uh, made plans for our next artist in residence, which is going to be Claudia Farias. And this is going to be a totally different project because we're doing a, a partnership with um, a group called And Also Presents, who's a fantastic, another grassroots um, group about art and feminism, and they also work with um, aspects of social justice as well. And they're based over at Siteworks in Moreland. So we're, we're looking at it in a different way of, of kind of branching out of our, our little local hub there in, in Richmond. But also Claudia... Claudia's work is about parenting and there's a lot of uh, discussions lately about artists as parents and, and the difficulties and, and challenges that that entails. And so um, Claudia's actually going to be doing the physical residency with and also presents but in conjunction with our archive and we'll be looking at putting on a public program there as well. So we do definitely uh, want to keep the program going um, as much as we can and um, at some point we'll, we'll probably be having an open call kind of way of finding artists in future but for the first couple of artists it's just kind of grown organically it's been people that um, we've we're already working with and that've got really burning issues that kind of come up and we're like yeah well, let's do that it seems like a really great way to to start off a you know a very genuine kind of project and um, Claudia is going to be doing her residency in April and May with and also presents um, in, in partnership with the Women's Art Register. So that's great for us as well. If listeners are interested in finding out more about the Women's Art Register or potentially visiting, um, how can they do that? Okay, so we have a website which is womensartregister.org and as mentioned, we're based in Richmond underneath the Richmond Library. So anyone can um, visit us um, usually by appointment is, is best, but also a large part of the archive is duplicated upstairs in the actual library and, and you're free to go and have a look at that at any time. But also if you're not in Melbourne or you can't get there, um, you can just email us and um, you know we have a lot of inquiries, regular inquiries from students and artists and curators, councils or general public or people who are sort of going through their attic and find an old box of stuff. And so people just ask us questions and we all our volunteers will do a um, service um, to look in our archive and, and you know provide information. 
and we can sometimes provide copies of the material. It just depends on the copyright clearance that we have. Um, and so, yeah, we, you can write to us at womensartregister at gmail.com. You've been listening to Caroline Phillips from the Women's Art Register and Julia Boris, the Register's inaugural artist-in-residence, discuss Re-Register, Australian Women Sculptors from the Women's Art Register. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio National Women's Current Affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 If you'd like more information about today's program or to listen to the show again, you can find what you need on the Women on the Line website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time. 